If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, please. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but today the title is The Help of the Holy Spirit. There is no greater joy we can have in this life than to walk with God and all that He has for us. To walk with the Creator of the universe. To walk with the One who made you. And He has the plans and purposes for you. There's no greater joy than than walking with Him. And that doesn't mean that we have to do everything perfectly. Um, if you have kids, you know that you know we can't demand perfection out of them either because they can't give it. And He's not looking for perfection. But what He is looking for is our heart. And so we need to be able to give them our heart. And we sang about that this morning as well. I want you to think about this. If you are a parent, grandparent, you never counted the times that your children fell when they started walking or tried to walk. What you did was you counted how many steps they took. You rejoiced in the, in the number of steps that they took. You didn't get all angry and upset at the times that they fell. And for some reason, we have this notion that as soon as we make a mistake with God, that He's out to get us. Well, if you've never done it before, then He has grace for you. Because whenever we do something for the first time, chances are we're not going to be very good at it. <clears throat> and so that's the way it is with God. As we are excited about the steps of our children, God's excited about the steps of us. Those steps towards maturity, towards growing in Him. And knowing that we are going to need help to become and to walk in all that God has for us, He gave us the Holy Spirit that we might have the power to be. And that brings me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I know I told you to turn to Matthew, so be in Matthew. But Acts chapter 1, 8, and this has been our theme since we've been looking at this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's God's plan for us. He wants us to have that power. He wants us to become His witnesses. But in order to become His witnesses, our lives have to be transformed. And so He's given us the Holy Spirit so we can have that. The kingdom of God is so different than our kingdom or the kingdom of this world. And so we need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in God's ways. Because His ways are so contrary to our ways. And we're going to get into that in just a second. And, and it's so contrary to the ways of this world. And we don't have it within us by ourselves to walk in them. That's why when we're born again, God gives us the Holy Spirit. Because He becomes our power, our strength, our helper. You know, one of the things that, you know, God's kingdom is 
is upside down. It's inside out. And, you know, here's an example. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you know, in the world, then you start stepping on everybody. You start, you know, having your way, doing your will. You start doing all. But God says, no, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then you have to become a servant of all. Now, how many of you sign up for that? And in Matthew chapter 20, we're going to look at this in just a second, but Jesus speaks this because a mom of two of the disciples was trying to get into Jesus, get into his head and say, you know, hey, let my sons have the prominent places in your kingdom. Because she was looking at things in the natural. She was looking at a kingdom in the natural realm. She was thinking Jesus was going to establish his kingdom here on earth through natural means. Not spiritually, and she, she didn't have the spiritual mind to understand this. And so Jesus takes this opportunity as his mom because then the other disciples started getting upset with her and the other two disciples. You know, which is normal, isn't it? Everybody wants to be great till you have to serve somebody. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. But Jesus called to him and said, called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So he's laying a foundation for what he's getting ready to say, and he's he's saying, Look, this is the way the world is doing it. This is the way the world rules. And he says, It, verse 26, it shall not be so among you. And then he tells them what is. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Wow. Do you still want to be great in the kingdom of God? You know, we talk about it. We aspire to it. But then are we willing to serve? Because that's what it's going to take. And when you get into it some more, get into the weeds some more on this, you can't just serve the ones you like. You got to serve the ones you don't like. You got to pray for them. And then in verse 28, he says this. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to live our life like that? And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to become like Christ. And to be, be transformed and to be His witnesses. I don't know how you want to do this, but if you want to keep a finger in Matthew chapter 20 and go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. It's just a few pages to your right. And this is pretty much the same story, but it's Mark's version. And um, Mark doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a lot of fluff. He just gets right to it. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, he says this. 
And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Because Jesus knew. But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Mm. And so this is what we're called to. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 23 now. Matthew 23. And what I so appreciate about God is whatever he calls us to, then he provides a way for us to do it. And he has given us the help, the helper, the Holy Spirit to help us to become what he's called us to be, to do what he's called us to be. Because I don't know of anybody who wakes up in the morning and says, oh, thank you, Jesus. I get to be the servant of all today. No. But he helps us to become that when we're willing. In Matthew chapter 23, this is one of the seven woes that he's declaring to the Pharisees and the scribes. And so this is what he says, uh, Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Isn't that awesome? See, this is upside down. This is inside out. God's kingdom does not work like the world's kingdom does, like society does. So to be great, we have to be willing to be a servant. And, you know, in verse 12, when he says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, and if you're like me, and I trust that you are, you need the help of the Holy Spirit not to exalt yourself and to be humble. You need him. To help you to do that. By nature, we usually want to exalt ourselves in our position, in our wisdom, and whatever else we think we're great at. But you know, God really doesn't care about that. What He's after is our heart. In God's kingdom, what we think is the way up is the way down, and what He thinks is the way down is the way up. He's so, um, and so we need the Holy Spirit to help us and thank God He's given us. And I just want to encourage you to choose to humble yourself because, and then you let Him exalt you. You know, if we were to humble ourselves, that's easier than trying to exalt yourself, if you'll be honest with yourself. Because if you exalt yourself once, then you got to do it again, and you got to do it again, and you got to do it again, and you, and you got to step on everybody that you did before, or and and then if you find somebody new to step on, you're willing to do that, but and that's a lot of work. But to humble yourself, you don't have to do anything; just humble yourself, and then God will take care of the rest. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two, please. Philippians chapter two. This concept of being a servant and being great and being a servant of all, 
is so foreign to our way of thinking and the way of society. And we have to wrestle against the temptation to exalt ourselves. And so that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit to humble ourselves and let God lift us up. And in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to see that this is exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He humbled Himself. And Philippians 2.5 starts off with this. And Well, let me just read. Philippians 2.5 Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So this is how we are supposed to think. Now, let me tell you something. What we're getting ready to see is we don't think like that. But this is what God is telling us we need to think like. And so we need the help of the Holy Spirit in order to think like this. In order to have this mindset. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. So he's saying, you can have it in Christ. Verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. And so this is what he's telling us. This has to be our mindset. If we're going to be great in the kingdom of God. And I trust that you want to be great in the kingdom of God then this is what it's going to take. Your mind has to shift away from you exalting yourself and you humbling yourself. When you humble yourself, what you're saying is, God, you are God and I'm not. And I'm going to trust you. And that's why it's so hard to humble ourselves because sometimes it's hard for us to trust God. You know, I'll just lay this out for you. It's hard to trust God because He takes longer. You know, we're such an instant society. We want everything right now. You know, I know y'all yell at your microwave. You almost cuss at it at times. Because you put it on for 30 seconds and it takes 30 seconds. And it's driving you nuts. We want everything instant. How many of you get mad at the drive-thrus now when you go to those fast foods? And they, you know, they ought to quit calling them fast food from now on. They ought to call it slower than Moses. Because there's nothing fast about them anymore. But yet, what do you do? You get in line and then, you know, your mind starts playing tricks on you. And you have thoughts that you shouldn't have because you're like, I thought there's this fast food. So we have to humble ourselves. This is what God is calling us to. If we want to be great, and I'm telling you, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to humble ourselves. Verse 9 says this, talking about Him dying on the cross. And verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. See, we don't like that. We like it in theory because it's Jesus, but we don't like it for us. Because you see, when we humble ourselves like Jesus humbled Himself, that means God's going to take us through some tough things. And He's going to kill you. 
You know, I get in trouble when I say this. God wants you dead. Not physically. But dead to yourself. Dead to your own desires. Dead to your own wishes and will and, and your ideas of how you think everything ought to go. You know, we've been here 32 years. And when we first came here, we thought we had in our mind how God was going to work. And I'm telling you, it was, it's totally different. He didn't do anything really that we thought He would do. That's the way He is. He operates out of a different system. And if we're going to be successful, if you're going to live your great days and you have to get into His system. Live the way He tells us to live. You see, we're afraid to humble ourselves because then you think, well, everybody's going to see my flaws. Yeah. Yeah, they already know them anyway. You're human, aren't you? You know, they have the same flaws you have. If not, they're pretty similar. But we always try to look pretty. You know, on the cross, Jesus didn't look pretty. He did. And so, when you humble yourself, it's not pretty. But it's good for you. Let me read verse 9 again just to give you some encouragement. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's everywhere. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So He exalted Him. And there's nobody higher now. And so if Jesus in human form humbled Himself, so must we. And that is why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. God's way of life, His principles are so contrary to the ways of this world. And that's why it's important that we rely on the Holy Spirit. God's ways and purposes are not the same as ours and His ways and purposes are so much better according to Isaiah. And we need to get a hold of those. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us get that and to walk in that understanding. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, please. Now if you've been here any length of time in this church, you know that I turn to here every once in a while. So we're going there again, just relax. You need some encouragement, so I'm going to give you some encouragement. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus is saying this, and this is... Well, let's just read it. Matthew five twenty-one. You have heard... This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Now... That's a commandment, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable of judgment. <laughs> you want to be like Christ? Quit being angry. Hmm. 
Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And here's what Jesus is trying to reveal in these. He's trying to reveal our hearts. And he's like, look, you can't do that. You can't let this reside in your heart. And so. There's a day coming when you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And anger. Is a much higher standard than murder, because anger is so much easier for us to attain to. You see, we think that because we haven't killed them, we're all right. But Jesus says, now, wait a minute. Even if you're angry with them. So we need help from the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, Matthew 5, 27, he says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Is that not one of the Ten Commandments? All right. But I say to you that anyone that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. That's a higher level. And what is he referencing again in your heart? Because he's trying to get at our heart. And then he says this in verse 29. Now, you know, think about it. This is Jesus trying to help us. All right. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than, your, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Wow. That's pretty tough. I'm going to tell you. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking we're seeing that Jesus is not playing games here. He's after our hearts. He's not after what we want people to think of us. He's after our hearts. You know, because we put on that facade as much as we can. We put on that mask as much as we can towards others. But you know what? God knows what's in our heart. And that's what he's after. That's a pretty high standard. Verse 38, Matthew 5, 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. How do you like that? Don't resist the one who is coming against you. Don't resist your boss who is always picking on you. Hello. Don't resist the boss who's always giving you the worst hours, the worst location, if you're a waiter or a waitress. You know, we have all, oh, well, they just like so-and-so better than me. Well, maybe they do. Maybe if they saw more of Jesus, they would like you too. Do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What's he getting at? 
He's getting at our heart. He's getting at what, what makes you tick. What motivates you? Verse 40 doesn't get any better. And if anyone would, would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now look, they didn't understand this at the time. Trust me. They're with Jesus at this time. This is the beginning of His ministry. The Beatitudes. They're up on the mountaintop. They're having a great time. Great discussion here. And Jesus starts telling them this. Do you think that when persecution came after His death, burial, and resurrection, you know, things changed. Now they're starting to experience this. And do you know that the, the Holy Spirit would have brought these words to their remembrance? This is where the rubber meets the road and it's hard. It's a hard thing to do and that's why we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, verse 43, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. I don't want to show of hands, but how many of y'all do that? You know, if you think that Christian life is easy, it's not. He calls us to a higher standard. And He's relentless. He's not going to lower His standard. He doesn't grade us like the school system grades us. He's got a standard. He's sticking to it. It's the heart. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? So, Verse 45. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And we, what he's saying is you're going to be known as mine. And we want to be known as His, but are we willing to do this? Are we able to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? Again, they don't understand what's coming, but Jesus is laying a foundation for them. Because He's look, one day we're going to deal with what's in your heart. Sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And, you know, we're sitting here and we want to be known as belonging to Him, but that means we have to go through verse 44 first, loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. And, you know, it's easy when they're, re when they're hearing this and Jesus is with them, but what about when He's not with them? It's a different story. And the same thing is true in our lives as well. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8, if you will, please. But I just want to give you these because, and this is only a small portion, but this is what God has called us to. 
the Christian life is more than just giving your heart to Christ and receiving salvation and forgiveness for yourself and then waiting to die and go to heaven someday. I mean, that is a part of the Christian life, but that's not the part. That's not the highlight of the Christian life. The Christian life or the Christ life, according to the Bible, is to give up this life for the one that God has for us. Not just waiting to go to heaven, but bringing heaven down to earth. I can't tell you the number of people that I've met inside the church and outside the church who are struggling. And this is the reason why. Because they had a plan for their life. They had things all organized. They, they knew when they were going to get married. They knew who they were going to get married to. They knew how many kids they were going to have, when they were going to have those kids. They knew the kind of job they were going to have. They knew everything. Everything was ordered by them. And then life happened. And they fall apart. Because they're not willing to give up their life for God's life. And I want to tell you, 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 you will be miserable until you're able to come to that place where you say, you throw up your hands and you surrender and you say, okay, Lord, enough of my life. I'll take yours. That's the beginning of a great life for you. It's a, the Christian life is a life of surrender. And, and I want to say, it's not just surrender once. It's surrender continually. Because your will just rises up. You know, it's hard to kill. The Christian life is a life of denial. Constantly. You know, your flesh is going to have conversations with you. I want to do this. And you have to say, no, I deny you that. And, and then when you deny the flesh that, they're going to get mad at you. Well, we've always done it like this. Yeah. But we're changing now. We're going to become like Christ. I mean, you know, here's the, probably part of the problem that we have as Christians. The flesh talks to us, but we don't talk back to it. We don't have a biblical answer to what the flesh is arguing with us about. The Christian life is a life of letting go of our rights. Our prefers. You know, and that's in quotation. Because, you know, we tell God what we prefer. What we're comfortable with. And it, He don't pay attention to that. He don't care what we prefer. He's not interested in what you're comfortable with or what your comfort level is and when he's getting close to getting you out of that comfort level. He, that doesn't bother him at all. He's not concerned with it. What he's concerned with is our heart. The Christian life is a life of letting go of our will, our plans, our desires and picking up God's for our lives. And that brings us to Mark chapter 8. And I got to tell you something. This is, this is fun. Diane asked me, she said, Friday night, what are you preaching on? I said, denying ourselves. And Saturday morning, I'm working on it, putting the final touches on it. I'm like, 
Man, I'm not even getting to this Scripture. I get to the end and it's all fitting together and I'm like, God, you're so good to me. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me. Now, do you want to come after him? Do you want what he has for you? All right. You say that now. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. You see, we we say in our minds, oh Lord, I want everything you have for me. Okay, deny yourself then. Well, Lord, I can't do that. Lord, I don't want to do that. Well, then you're not coming after me. But Lord, I want to come after you. Then deny yourself. This is the battle. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. Now, they don't know what a cross is yet. I mean, they've seen it because the Romans entered. But trust me, after Jesus was on the cross, they knew what he was talking about. They understood this scripture now. And now they're like, oh, Lord, we need help. And that's why he told them, he said, look, you just stay here until the Holy Spirit comes because the helper is going, I'm going to send the helper to you. Because when they're talking about the, I mean, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, Jesus was still around at that point. He wasn't crucified. They're thinking, well, that don't seem so hard. Well, you start humbling yourself and you start going through the cross. You start denying yourself. You see how easy that is. Verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Now, isn't that backwards? Isn't that so contrary to the way of the world? You know, the world says, you know, go get, 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 gather, 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 more, more, more. And God comes along and He says, well, looks like you got a little bit too much. And then He starts telling us the story about Gideon. And we're like, oh Lord. Can I go in with more? You know, when it's our plan, our agenda, our purposes, we're gathering, we're trying to get as much as we can. And God says, look, you know, if you really want to walk with me, then you've got to lose your life. Huh. But whoever loses his life for my sake, and for the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and, my, and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory, of his, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. <clears throat> If you will go back and read this, you'll find that this is taken after Jesus asked 
the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter answers him, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, well done, you know. He says, uh, have, uh, earth is not giving you that, but my Father in heaven has given you that revelation. And so then Jesus is talking about dying and stuff, and Peter steps in again and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm, I'm never going to let you die. And then this is what Jesus does. This is what he says. I'm going to tell you. If you are going to walk with God, if you are going to be great in his kingdom. You're going to have to learn to die to yourself. And deny yourself. For his sake. Peter had told Jesus, I'm never going to let you die. Because he was looking at things in the natural. They wanted Jesus around, at least for their lifetime. You see, it's so easy for us to fall into the traps of the world and try to live according to our own understanding, which is so different than God and His kingdom. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit to deny ourselves. The, ro the world around us does nothing but cater to ourself, our selfishness, our self-centeredness. And we're about gathering whatever we can for ourselves, no matter the cost, no matter who we have to step on. Gather as much stuff as we can so that we look successful in the eyes of the world. And yet, we lose our soul over it. We sell out our soul for what is temporary. Stand with me if you will, please. I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and do what only He can do. Father, we thank You for Your words. We thank You for the truth of Your word. And Lord, we say in our heart that we want these things, but it's so, so hard for us to give up, to let go. And so we ask for a special working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we declare today that we need the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives to become what you want us to become, to be able to do what you want us to do for your kingdom. Lord, we say that we want to be like Christ, but it's another thing to work through that process and become like Christ. And so, Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit to come and, and continue to help us, to give us the strength, to give us the wisdom, to give us the understanding to let go, to deny ourselves, to humble ourselves, 
to live according to your kingdom principles and not to live according to the ways of this world because they're in opposite ways. Lord, help us. Help us. We need the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that the people here and the people that are listening, they desire, we desire you. We desire you to be exalted in our lives. And so, Father, help us to achieve that. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. All right, have a great week. If you need prayer, prayer, feel free to come up. We'll be delighted to pray with you.